0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California.
1: Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Well,
2: maybe, as we're still arriving, we could um, meditate for a while. Would that be okay? Kumi, mm. hello. <laughs> So relaxing into your body. Sometimes it helps to take a, a couple of deep, relaxing breaths. Awakening on the inhale and releasing on the exhale. And dropping into the body, the thinking mind, into the earth, the solidness of the body, maybe the gravity felt where you're sitting. Healing the body, wherever you feel it, calms, the body calms
3: the thinking mind. The body's always right here. Feeling the breath wherever you feel it, the belly or the diaphragm.
2: And now think of someone who loves you, bringing to mind some being, could could be an animal, could be someone in the past. Who's concerned about you, who loves you, who wants you to be happy, who wants you to be peaceful, wants you to be content,
3: free, at ease,
2: What it really boils down to is, they love you. And when we love, we want that being, that person to be happy, to not suffer, to not have problems. So take in this love in a pure form, just love, just kindness, compassion, caring, into your body.
3: And let it pervade your body. Feel it in your toes.
2: Your feet, your calves, thighs,
3: hips. This being's well-wishing for you in your back.
2: kind of blissful, blissful energy, your belly and your heart, shoulders, arms, hands, pervaded by love, by compassion.
3: and your face and brain. And
2: let this loving, caring being turn into light. Pure light, and let that light enter you and pervade you and dissolve into you. So this becomes your love, your kindness,
3: your wish to be happy. Your wish to not have problems, to not be in pain. And relax into these wonderful, caring wishes
2: of love and compassion. And notice this is so essential to you. This is who you are. This isn't contrived. This exercise is pointing this out. But 24-7, we want to be happy. We don't want to have problems. 24-7, we have this love and compassion intrinsic in our being.
3: Let it radiate through you like the sun. Relax into this. Bathe in this wonderful goodness that is our nature.
2: And know that It's the same for all human beings. It's the same for everyone in this group. Just like you. Everyone has this love, this kindness, this caring. This wanting to be happy. Wanting to be free. all equal in this. It doesn't take phrases to create this in us. It is here. This love and compassion that we all share
3: So in a way, your happiness is my happiness. Your freedom
2: from pain, from difficulties is my freedom relief from difficulties. So we wish this for each other. So, instead of just feeling my own love Compassion.
3: There are fifty four of you here. How much greater to wish it for all of you?
2: And it's not a stretch, really. To wish it for all beings everywhere. All beings everywhere.
3: Want to be happy.
2: Want to be free of suffering. Maybe not even just here on this earth, but everywhere, other worlds. And in the past and in the future, may all beings everywhere.
3: Everywhere be free of suffering.
2: Free of racial. Discrimination. May the earth be free of the strains we're putting on it. May all beings be free of the monkey mind problem that all human beings seem to have.
3: Okay. Thank you. So, um, Excuse me.
2: <clears throat> the prompt for your discussion is <clears throat> in small groups. Is something around um, aspiration
3: and resolution.
2: A second please Robert just joined us yay <laughs> um
3: hmm.
2: I need to make him a host okay there we go Um, So I've made you host, Robert, so it's up to you to break out groups. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so this came uh, up in our, we have a book group as well, and um, it was reported that in one of the small groups from the book group, they, they were talking about how, Um, Sometimes uh, older people feel insignificant. They've lost their roles. They've lost their jobs. All the things that make people feel significant in the conditioned world, many of those things have been lost. Successes reputation in different groups at the workplace. Even material things don't seem so important anymore. I used to live on a farm, Green Gulch Farm. It was a monastic type farm. And then I opened a restaurant and I started buying stuff. I bought suits. <laughs> and... Uh, Suits didn't matter when I was on the farm, and our overalls. and they don't matter now. Material things just don't matter that much. so where's the significance? What's there to aspire to? And then my mind went to I was a hospice a caregiver for many years. And, how many of those people didn't have an issue with, didn't seem to anyhow, with significance on this hospice ward. They were pretty cheerful. Not everyone. There were some that
3: were
2: depressed. But then they seemed to come out of it. I have a lot of in, ink paintings of uh,
3: birds in my room by a a hospice patient who came out of it he was so depressed and down but sentience presence being
2: wins out wins out of all of those entanglements of the mind of no significance know this, know that not enough so what would be your aspiration now that would give your life great significance meaning if a a genie would appear. He would say, I'll give you whatever state of mind, whatever attitude, whatever sense of the flow of your experience, of your life, whatever you want it to be, I'll give it to you right now. That would be your aspiration. Your dream come true. I wish to have no self. I wish to be aware of the flow.
3: Whatever it is for you,
2: And then resolution is how we get there, how we do it. We don't need a genie. We can do it for ourselves. Our practice, what practice we resolve on to make our dream come true right now. When we wake up in the morning,
3: This is my heart's desire. This is what I want from this life.
2: Know that. And keep coming back to that when we get off. We can reel ourselves in. No, I don't want that so much. You know, that's not what, that's not really what I want to be motivated by. I want to be motivated by this and this is how I do it. This is the practice that helps me to do it. I think we should just go to small groups and discuss this, if that would be okay. And um, just a, a, a few words about small groups, since, since some of you have are new. Um, so um, we. it's kind of like the... Uh, and, and uh, the Indians would, would, would have what they call a talking stick in the middle of a circle American Indians that have a talk and then and then someone would pick up the talking stick and it would be their turn to talk uh, and and they could talk as long as they want without being interrupted, without being helped, without being corrected and then they put the walking stick back in the middle and it's the next one's turn so it's, it's, it's uh, wonderful to be listened to deeply listened to and it's wonderful to be able to deeply share kind of an unusual opportunity this isn't uh, the way we talk it when we go out to dinner with people with friends, often this, we don't talk with this depth of openness and sincerity. So this is a great opportunity. And we don't hear, listen with such warmth and love and openness to either. And um, so we'll have about 15 minutes, groups of four to five. So you know, just pay attention somewhat to the sharing of the conversational space. Um, and if everybody goes around and there's time left then you can just go around again so um, yeah okay so I hope you enjoy enjoy this discussion yeah love to hear your shares
3: what happened for you in those groups what was meaningful, what was. Hello? Yeah, please.
4: Okay, thank you. Yeah, yeah we had a great discussion that something came up that uh, I think it's common to all of us seniors here is just that someday the body is not going to be able to do uh, what I'm able to do today. Each one of us are able to do today. And then that's inevitable, but just as we see that coming pretty soon, I speak for myself, how to accept that. So I'm just gonna put it out as look a, for a larger group or, or any any anybody wants to say anything. Um I mean the suggestion came out that the paramy of patience actually is a good one to develop right now, but that's a mind, you know, factor and in going into understanding the practice more deeply. Uh, what that entails. So we can just use it when we're just sitting on the chair and not being able to go anywhere. Uh, but I mean that, that inevitable, uh, feeling of loss of the, uh, bodies, um, uh, agility functioning is so prevalent for us that comes, it came up, I mean, to my surprise, that was not what I was, my resolution was, but, uh, <clears throat> Anyway, that's what our group was discussing.
5: Right. B,
2: how, how, how can you find significance, find meaning? When you're pushing a walker, or when you're in a hospice it's uh, that's going to happen. It's around the corner when you're facing, when death is close. How can we find meaning? I have a friend who's got significant memory loss, he has strong practice, and he's in a, a, a care home, He has to use a walker, can't remember much, but he's pretty cheerful.
3: Okay, somebody else.
1: Our group was um, very friendly. It was so much fun. We were all identifying with each other. Am I on? Yeah. Um, So in things like being alone as opposed to being with a husband (laughs) came up, um, we were all women. And, um, but I was thinking... In answer to what you were just saying, David, that um, this book that we're reading, um, which is called The Grace in Aging, it had a sentence or two that really spoke to that, to my aspiration, especially. Um, A spiritual practice is not really about becoming anything. It's just about being. Allowing being and that what one can work with while using a walker uh, or or doing the dishes for that matter or whatever we're doing or not doing so so I like that as my aspiration anyway, you know, just not to have to become anything but in a way to just allow awareness um, and, and just being. I think that sounds like a, a kind of nice aspiration. I'll stop
3: there.
2: My first dance teacher said, well, first of all, there's no turning back. You're all goner. You're all, law. You, you know, you're, you're, you're goners. You're pra- going to practice for the rest of your life. Um, there's no turning back. But also, there's nothing more interesting to do. It's practice is just so interesting.
6: <laughs> so, Stephen, did you want to say something? If, if that'd be okay. what? just on the subject, what, what really helped me was uh, – Gill's talk on renunciation and how it's kind of like dying. I got to think this stuff through. I can't just wait around and be surprised when it happens, but uh, that I have to consciously renounce my role, my responsibilities, renounce my relationships, you know, my my emotion, uh, material, material loss. I think I got it. There's five, renunciations, and uh, uh, that really helped me a lot. I, I worked with Franciscans, uh, these nuns for years, and they would talk about renunciation. And that whole tradition of uh, letting go before before it's done to us, uh, I, I find has been uh, helpful for me going through my storm and drunk. Great.
2: Okay, one more.
7: Um, may I speak? Sure. For me, I uh, think of the bodhisattva vow because it says the dharma gates are boundless. I vow to enter them. Dharma gates are dom- The teachings are, are, are boundless. So if I I have I have chronic imbalance. I, I walk daily like a Humpty Dumpty, literally wanting to fall down. So in the beginning it was very hard for me to deal with it. But now I ask myself literally every day when I have the imbalance issue, I would ask how can this help me uh, towards my attitude and my and my wish to a- awaken, how could the imbalance teach me what is the lesson? How could use the, 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 the suffering, uh, the content of life to help me along, not to waste this imbalance as a teacher? So I consider that that is the Dharma gate. That's the teaching for me. And that has helped me, kind of ease into living um, with imbalance as the, you know, the possible norm of life.
2: Thank you, Sylvia. Okay. Um, so now, my good friend and wonderful. Teacher Robert will take over, and then that will follow that with a break, and then my good friend and wonderful teacher Fiona
5: will follow him. Okay. So um, would 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 you be uh, would you be opposed to having the break now? I I actually need a break. Okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. Let's do that. We'll have a break Let's, now for. Uh, for, for for 10 minutes. Um, yep. And if you could come back uh, uh, at about, about... Five after the hour.
2: Five after the hour.
5: Okay. All right. Thank you. Okay, everyone. <clears throat> I think most of us are back. We might have lost a couple of people on that break, but I think most of us are here. <clears throat> so okay can you all hear i'm not muted good okay great so um it's good to be here with all of you i wasn't sure i was going to be able to make it today so i'm happy that i could be here with you and i came in a little bit late from when david started so I wanted to try to pick up the thread of what um, David was uh, discussing with you and um, <clears throat> sort of tilt to the teaching on impermanence, but to build it in or in some way related to the earlier discussion uh, that you had, which sounded fascinating to me. So. <clears throat> I remember that when uh, David sent the the announcement for this month's session out, um, and he was talking about aspirations and resolutions. uh, He said something about that uh, resolution focuses on the cause for the result or how to make it happen, how to make it something anything happen. So this is really, you know, it's a very provocative question, in my mind, or evocative question in my mind. Because this idea of how do we make something happen? How do we actualize a aspiration in our life? How do we come to Understand what's going on uh, within us and around us in a way that we can <clears throat> sort of get out of the way, and um, and then uh, be fully present and engaging in our lives, um, uh, free from from you know confusion and and just ideas about uh, what we think is going on, being locked into our own personal perspectives, which when we investigate them are often one-dimensional. We don't see the dynamic nature. Well, I don't. So I don't know about the rest of you. I'm I'm being, (laughs) I'll just speak from a personal perspective that, that, that one dimensional perspective is what I would relate to being mindless rather than mindful. So it's not a judgment, it's just a statement of fact that when I'm not present or when we're not present with our experience and the nature of our experience that um, we tend to sort of be locked in a moment in time that doesn't see the dynamic nature of our of our unfolding life so uh, so when we begin to look at this and i've talked about this with all of you before but i think it's worth revisiting when when we begin to you know examine our lives we see that impermanence is really undeniable. It's uh, life is subject to change. Everything is changing. Everything is changing all of the time. So <clears throat> when we can learn to stop or when we practice stopping, when we practice pausing, stepping back, having a look, um, we sometimes get a glimpse of that larger dynamic unfolding picture. And there is always space surrounding experience. And in that space, there's a possibility for us to relax and, and actually appreciate and discover this place where there's a sense of peace peacefulness, calmness that every one of us has touched at different points in our lives. And when, <clears throat> when we touch that place, that place that's there, that David was talking about, that's always there, um, we begin to just get a glimpse of things as they are, as they really are. So, <clears throat> when we think of ordinary people when we think of ourselves mere mortals when we're feeling lousy or when we're sick or hurt um we we generally lock into this perspective that this is a problem and it is i suppose and but we what we want to do is we want to get rid of that problem and we want to fix that And so over and over and over again, we try to find ways and strategies to antidote it or to push it away or to overpower it or whatever our strategy happens to be. But if this strategy doesn't work and mostly it doesn't, we then end up feeling frustrated or, distressed or depressed or angry or worrying or fearful, you you name it. Um, So if we begin to just recognize that these things are happening for us, we can see that um, what we're trying to do is we're searching out pleasant feelings. We want the pleasant feelings to override an antidote painful ones the unpleasant ones, but even even when we're honest, even mildly unpleasant feelings, we really don't want to be with those feelings. we don't like those feelings, they trigger us, they challenge us and and they seduce our attention literally and because we want to avoid even the slightest unpleasant feelings we pursue and we chase after and we cling to pleasant feelings now pleasant feelings are not what david was pointing to it's not the love that is <clears throat> it's this this kind of reactivity to to touching anything that that bothers us, this reactivity is what's creating in our own minds a kind of mental suffering. It's a, it's a resistance. And when you think about it, just think about a, a moment in your life where you, any moment where things weren't going the way you wanted them to go. It could be a minor thing. It could be a major thing. But the the point is something's happening for you that you don't want to have happen for you. And so we suffer. So, So over time, when we practice being quiet, sitting, meditating, cultivating, a gradual deepening of our practices of mindfulness and compassion. We do come to learn how to establish and recognize what the state of mental calmness feels like. And we were able to touch a state that's sufficient and stable enough for us to actually begin to bear witness to the discomfort, and the changes in our aging bodies and our abilities and our capacities without resisting or abandoning ourselves. These are just realities of life as it unfolds for you and for me and for everyone else. And we begin to see that feelings are simply feelings and that our perceptions are affected by our attitudes and our habits of mind. And that in turn is influenced by our habits of our deep, deep habits of desire and aversion and confusion or delusion. So greed, hatred and delusion, we don't have to look far to find that in our actual experience. And when we know and see Suffering directly in our mental states, we learn that we can choose to not let these impermanent, fleeting states, you know, seduce our mind, invade our mind, and seduce our mind and take up residence there. And then it becomes entrenched mental default habits. And these habits, I want to go back to what I said earlier, are in the moment, they're one dimensional, it's all we see, we don't see anything else, we just see that. And when our life is just that, and then the next (laughs) moment where we're one dimensional, and then the next one dimensional moment, we miss out on the wonder and the majesty of life, and the aspirations that we have to be happy are way bigger than that. So through the practices of the heart, through loving kindness, through compassion, empathic joy, equanimity, we we learn what these feelings are like. We learn what the embodied experience of loving kindness is or compassion. And we can learn to embrace and hold all the feelings in the mind with kindness as naturally as you would hold a small crying child, soothing, accepting, knowing our feelings for what they are. We can't change the fact that our bodies are changing, that our abilities are diminishing and that our
3: patience and
5: and that patience and kindness can be a refuge for us at this time where, where we, we weren't faced with these challenges when we were younger. So, so we didn't have the same connection to these other qualities. We didn't maybe have as easy an access to these other qualities. But when we take time to notice and investigate our experience, we actually do see that change is natural and it's intrinsic in all phenomena. So we come to experience our own bodily feelings, our mental states as less personal, as part of what each of us share. It's part of our common humanity. You and I and everyone else are in this together. That sounds like a cliche, but it is absolutely the truth. You and I are brothers and sisters along with all of our neighbors across the world. We're not different from one another. We all really do truly want to be happy, and we don't want to suffer. So... In this way, we're the same. So physical feelings or mental states don't define us and they don't belong to us. Everything in life is subject to change and everything is changing all the time. So when we, we learn to stop, to pause, to step back and to have a look, we can actually see beyond this one dimensional perspective that most of us live in, in our day-to-day experience. So there's always space surrounding experience and it's in space that we discover peace. So we also discover the changing nature of life, our own aging, the loss, of remembered physical or mental capacities, or simply the sense of being off balance from the shifting sands of our day-to-day conditions. Any and all of these things can be a wake-up call, a stirring within us that awakens us from the dream of our physical and mental experience. It awakens us to
3: reality. So
5: just a small taste of the deeper understandings of knowing and seeing things as they are rather than as we want them or wish them to be stirs, stirs in our heart and can give rise to a sense of urgency to pay attention. What is our deepest aspiration? What are our resolutions to making that aspiration to actualizing that aspiration. And when we're able to investigate and explore the changing and permanent nature of our own experience and follow this path of practice, we we grow, we become stronger, we become more resilient, we become less vulnerable to falling into attaching to the illusion of a self and, and then we suffer. So what we find is that that this practice takes us beyond the resignation of just coping. Oh, God, if here's one more thing, I'll just grit my teeth and, you know, muscle through it. So faith and trust and determination begin to grow in us as we come closer and closer to the realization of freedom, the ending of suffering of true letting go, of release. So we are, as I said, all in this together, take heart. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to put you in a breakout room for about um, 10 minutes or so. And I'd like to, I'll put a prompt in in the chat, And the prompt will be, how has the teaching on impermanence helped you to understand your own life's journey with all of its joys and sorrows, hopes and dreams, aspirations and resolutions? How has impermanence either informed you or scared you or what? 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 What role does it play in your life as you review and reflect on your life? Is that clear? Yes, no, yes, okay, good. So let me pop that into the chat here so that you can refer to it. And good, I th- I think everyone is back. Um hope so, and if not, they'll trickle in. So uh, again, I want to just uh, tell everyone if you wanna see who's speaking, just go up to your view, up to view at the upper right corner of your screen and click on speaker view and the speaker will come on. And uh, if you look at the bottom of your screen, um, there's a menu bar and there's a icon that says reactions, and you can uh, like raise a hand. I'll do it in my thing. You can raise a hand, and then we'll know uh, that you you want to uh, speak. So. Um, I I uh, in the main room we we David and Fiona and I and Alice ended up in that room <laughs> so we had a nice discussion in our group and I would like to just invite people to share uh, how this teaching on impermanence has helped you understand literally understand your own your own life and the, the ebbs and flows in your life. So if anyone has anything that you want to share, please raise your hand or let us know. And please don't be shy. I know that people have ideas and opinions and perspectives here. So anyone? Oh, there we are. Okay. So, Gail, I see that you have your hand up. Gail? You're on mute, dear.
1: Sorry, I thought I'd... Unmuted. Um, Okay. We had a really good discussion, um, and uh, it seems... It seems to me, well, I'll just speak for myself. Um, In considering impermanence and how everything's changing, um, um, including mind states, including feelings, including, you know, it's so, it seems to me to go right in with no self. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: That there isn't really, yeah, so, so, and, how does all this relate to the fear of dying or, or, or just the thought of dying? Um, because oftentimes we think of impermanence as, well, I'm going to die and I won't be here anymore. But this I that we think won't be here anymore <laughs> isn't even here now. In, uh, in, in a, in a sense, um, we're, we're, we're alive, we're appreciating, we're able to appreciate things and have joy and a more more and more awareness that we're not gonna we're not a entity that's that's lasting. so in in a way, it, do, it just makes me feel easier about about death because it's happening already.
5: Hmm. Thank you. Can I ask you? You you shared in relationship to dying. What about in relationship to living? Well,
1: what I shared about about that was it just makes me feel lighter and, and
5: makes you feel lighter. Okay.
1: Yeah. 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 And and there, great. I, and there, I don't blame myself. I take great. things
5: less personally. Um, whenever I get a real glimpse. Great. Yeah. Great. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, Gail. Um, Terry, you're next, and I want to. Um, Fiona, if we stop at a quarter oh, to the up, uh,
8: is good? I would love people to share. This is really important.
5: So. Okay. Just- as long as you're okay. Sherry, your hand is up next.
9: Well, many things came up with Linda and I, but the the thing I'm thinking uh, the most is that I've had some real uh, physical changes because of uh, my practice. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to look back at the time when I was uh, in a lot of pain and discomfort and uh, lack of energy. And looking back now, or looking at myself now, I'm realizing, oh, that changed. So I think that's going to help me in the future, that when I get fatigued or any problems like that, with the teaching of impermanence to realize all things are changing, it, it is likely to change. Well, it will change one way or another. So having looking back and seeing how I'm much better now, is helping me to face the future with more confidence that uh, when, whatever comes up will only be there for a time. If that makes any sense to
5: anyone, <laughs> it does. So, uh, can I comment? Can I? Oh, please. So. And this isn't just for for you, Terry. this is for all of us. so when we look at a situation like that and we sh- we see that something's happening that we don't want to have happening, and then we recognize um that whatever's happening is is also part of an impermanent arising and passing away, you see so that that gives us sort of an access to the space around something you see and it allows us to 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 hold it in a different way so what also changes in that moment of recognition is our relationship to it you see it's not just that the the actual triggering phenomena, thought, event, person changes. It's that our relationship to that triggering phenomena changes. So we begin to see that even that at a deeper level, it, what's changing is the way that we're holding something, the way that we're seeing something. And that changing relationship begins to be recognized as you know a pathway to freedom if not an actual you know taste of freedom a momentary taste of freedom because we begin to see that we don't hold on to this one-dimensional way or one-dimensional perspective that we have about this challenging problem it's not that the problem isn't is a challenge, but that's not the issue that changes, but our relationship also changes. So thank you. Thank you for your, uh, thank you. Yeah. And, um, we have time for, I think Steven and I thought, I thought it, Lori had her hand up. But maybe I'm wrong.
6: I'll, I'll be real short, but I, I wanted to, to share, uh, you know, about about impermanence. Some of the worst things that happened to me, that just devastated me, turned out to be the very best thing that ever happened to me. And I and I had to get old to see that. But I, when I look back at my life, and I can say, "Damn, if if I didn't blow that up, I wouldn't have had this happen." and and so I think that's the one thing about impermanence too is uh boy sometimes when we're going through the 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 trials you know the trouble uh you know on the other side there is something you know karma or whatever wants to come in here but I wanted to see if others had that experience as well thank you yeah thank you Stephen and
5: and I'm going to, I'm just going to add a comment because I can't help myself. But I don't think that the fact that you've gotten older is what gave you access to that insight. I think it's because of your practice that you have access to that insight. There are lots of old people who don't understand that at all, and they go to their grave not understanding it. So this is a blessing for you and for everyone that's that's on the call. And you're, who you're sharing that with, so thank you. So Laurie, we'll take you, and then um, and then we'll have a few minutes here for Fiona, who's been so generous with her time here. So just Laurie?
0: thank yes, thank you so much. Um, this dimensionality um, and impermanence has opened up a lot, and I just I guess I have a question, okay. and that is um, so when you're saying you know, like looking at a situation and it's one that I don't want. Um, And this place of um, becoming aware of the space around it, this relationship, um, it seems like the space and the awareness of, you know, there's this relationship provides the shift because sometimes I can become attached to space you know, and I feel like i become one-dimensional again. <laughs> and mm-hmm. when you just said to someone else this word relationship, stepping back and feeling the space in this relationship, that's where I taste some freedom and ask if you need thoughts or comments or help. Mm. Thanks.
5: Mm. You're welcome. You're welcome. Well, it sounds like... If that was a question, it sounded like you answered your own question, <laughs> and um <clears throat> I think it's true for all of us that we can sometimes find something that works for us. it seems to work for us, and then just we get hooked on that, and we don't see that we're getting hooked on space. You see, so it's just a matter of of practice and being kind and patient and and willing to, you know, meet yourself as a real human being with radical honesty, that we begin to see what the mind is doing, the the habits of the mind. And um and then, then sometimes we we find that we have insights. We look back over our life and think, wow, that was you know, I would not have understood this if I didn't find that I was getting hooked on space itself. So, so thank you all for participating in this little experiment or this little exploration. Um, it's a delight to be with people who are, you know, in touch with their hearts and in their deeper intentions and their aspirations and resolutions to, to, um, you know, live from the heart and to wake up. So it's an honor to be part of this group. Thank you all. And now I'm, I'm going to pass this on to Fiona.
8: Well, quite a morning of teaching, David. Um, you know, helping us sort of directing our gaze towards this inner deep place. Uh, within, you know, source of uh, beauty and love and compassion that's innate below the surface and uh, and then Robert you know, we're looking at the conditioned world, the outer world, the impermanence of all phenomena sort of like these two sides of The Dharma teachings, you know, what changes and what is innate, what is deeply there in our deepest heart. And I've shared this in the group before, and it was so meaningful to me years ago in a retreat at Spirit Rock on the Dharma of Aging. And it's still very much close to my heart, There was a chant that was shared. It was a traditional chant at funerals in Southeast Asia. And I'm not going to attempt to uh, chant it, but I will recite it. Um, The the translation is, uh, all things are impermanent. They arise and pass away. To live in harmony with this truth brings great happiness. And what was so just sort of grabbed me by the throat at that time was this, the third line, to live in harmony with this truth. So the beginning of the chant was... um, was impermanence in the last anicca. The last word was sukha, happiness. I will just share with you, I remember I was sitting in the emergency room with my, our dearly beloved dog, who uh, became sick very suddenly, and it was clear the, the vet came and said, He's not going to make it. We need to put him down. And I called my husband and we came and sat there and held him. And uh, that chant came to me at that moment. That just came out of me. Um, and again, <laughs> I had a, a ambulatory surgery. I walked in got on the table and they, all these the nurses and, and starting to doing something to the body. It was very alarming at the time because I was awake. And again, that chant arose. All things are impermanent. They arise and pass away. To live in harmony with this truth brings great happiness. It just was like this. Oh, yes, this is happening. And I can be here. It's not a Dharma teacher, but I found this quote this morning, and it seems to fit, too, within a different tradition, not Buddhist, traditional Buddhist teachers, but I'd like to share them. Be like the seasons. Winter is not trying to become summer. Spring does not rush towards autumn. The grass grows at its own pace. The choices that will be made will be made. And you've no choice about that. The decisions that will happen will happen. Events will unfold. But right now, perhaps you don't need to know the solutions or the outcomes or how best to proceed. Perhaps not knowing is a welcome guest at life's banquet. Perhaps openness to possibility is a beloved friend. Perhaps even confusion can come to rest here. And so instead of trying to fix our lives, instead of trying to neatly resolve the unresolvable, and quickly complete the epic story of a fictitious me. We simply relax into utter not knowing, unraveling in the warm embrace of mystery, sinking deeply into the moment, savoring it fully in all its uniqueness and wonder. And then perhaps without any effort, Without any struggle or stress, without you being involved at all, the true answers will emerge in their own sweet time. And with David's reference to our deep inner. quality of love in the heart this is a quote from a Indian teacher Nisargadatta and having done lots of laundry of and uh, from fabric from India this really struck the image struck me it is like washing printed cloth this is our practice first the design fades then the background. And in the end, the cloth is plain white. The personality gives place to the witness. Then the witness goes, and pure awareness remains. The cloth was white in the beginning, and it is white in the end. The patterns and colors just happened. For a time. The cloth was white in the beginning and is white in the end. The patterns and colors just happened.
3: For a time. Maybe we can just sit and be quiet for a few minutes.
8: Anicca vata sankara ubhato itami no niruchanti desam ubhasmo sukho. All things are impermanent. They arise and pass away. To live in harmony with this truth brings great happiness. I loved the words Sylvia shared with us earlier. This Dharma gate of our life. The Dharma gate Of change, aging, sickness, loss. What's this gate opening for us? And to use it and to treasure the teachings of this time in our life. To not resist, but to live in harmony. So my
3: blessings to you all.
5: Thanks, Fiona. Everybody should unmute themselves so that we can wave goodbye. We're going to do a dedication
2: too. Okay, let's do the
5: dedication first. So, um,
2: there are there was a tsunami started in Tonga and it reached the shores of Santa Cruz. So um, things have a way of just proliferating everywhere and, and uh, that's a rather drastic and, and coarse example, but you know the, the wisdom I think the wisdom that we have uh, taken in today, the beautiful wisdom of Fiona's chant and, and the reading from the Sagar about actually disappearing. Disappearing like uh, the whiteness of the cloth even disappears. So may the wisdom that we have felt today and with the change, we can feel there's change in this group now. You've all changed. Something's happened here. So may, may, may what we've experienced, the wisdom, the love, the compassion, the sangha, the feeling of maybe happiness and harmony, may it spread out to all beings be a benefit not just to you and to others in the group but to all beings everywhere. Okay. Thank you all. Thank you all for coming. Um, Just also want to say if you you, some people have mentioned this book group uh, if you'd like to join the book group it's a wonderful book we're studying. So just again write to IMC Sangha Senior Sangha and we'll, we'll sign you up if you'd like to join that. Okay. Many blessings Bye, to everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.
3: Thank you. you next Thank month. You. Be
1: well. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Bye.
5: Thanks, everyone.
1: Bye-bye. Thank you.
5: Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
3: Bye-bye. Thank you.